The reason why I'm going to be preaching this message, which is a very unique title, titled Killing Self-Love. We're talking about killing self-love today. Killing self-love. This is going to be a preface for my wife's message, which she's going to be teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. And she's going to be talking about also the self-life. But we're going to talk about what it means to kill an unhealthy self-love of yourself and what that means. So... I want to start off first by talking about the sacrifice with Cain and Abel. Now, if you don't know the story of the sacrifice with Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's first children. Cain, the story of Cain and Abel starts at Genesis chapter 4. And in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve ate from the tree. Their eyes were open. They saw their nakedness. They were full of shame. They fell, they fell into fear, shame, and control. They self-preserved themselves. They hid. Uh, God would ultimately make a covering for them, but banish them from the garden. And in, in the next scene, we get Cain and Abel. And I'll just paraphrase the story for you. Basically, uh, Cain was a gardener. He tilled the ground, and Abel was a hunter. And he gathered up animals and meat, things I really like to do. I like guarding, but I like cutting a little bit more. And so uh, both came to bring a sacrifice to the Lord, and Cain's sacrifice was unacceptable or disregarded, not regarded by the Lord. The unacceptable sacrifice that Cain brought was a heart issue. We're going to talk about heart issues today, all right? Abel would bring the very best of what he had in full faith to the Lord. You can go read the story. But Cain would bring what I want to call a token gift. It was a token offering. It wasn't his very best. It was full of self-preservation, pride, and coveting what he had. Maybe it was a fear of loss, or maybe it was a fear that what he gave away, he would never get back. Who knows exactly why? But what we do know is what he gave to the Lord was more of an afterthought rather than his best, okay? Here, so God ultimately would not accept Cain's sacrifice, and in Genesis 4, 5, and 6, we get this. But he, meaning God, did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin lies, or another virgin says, crouches at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now, leave the scripture up for just a moment. This last part that says its desire is for you, but you should rule over it, these, this line is in the same is in the chapter before and in the same response that God had to Eve when he was speaking to her after they ate from the tree. The Lord said to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and his desire will be to rule over you. I call that the battle of the sexes. I've taught this message before, the battle of the sexes. What happens is, is that when a man doesn't properly cover his wife and isn't the spiritual leader, the wife's natural tendency 
is to try to usurp the authority of her husband. That's what that means. This is an authority issue. And in turn, his response is to crush her. Now, we see that in a machismo society. We see that where the man is dominant and the woman is passive. We see that where the woman's role is to be silent and be barefoot and pregnant and have babies and stay home and make sure that when the husband comes home after a long day of work, there's a nice cold Miller Lite, turn this football game on, and why isn't the house clean? On the flip side, you can get women that are real divas where they're controlling and they wear the pants and the man is a sissy. We see that also in this culture. You have, you have this battle of the sexes, but this scripture is gonna point to something else I wanna really point out today. It's what I would more so call the battle within. The battle between the carnal nature and the battle between the spirit-led nature, the battle between the works of the flesh versus the battle between the works of the spirit. But it's the same mindset. So whenever we're dissatisfied or we're unhappy or we're eating from the wrong tree, there's always a control issue. There's always a self-preservation issue, which I'm gonna say in many ways, the works of the flesh and pornography ties right into that. It's a dissatisfaction. It's not, it's, it's a desire to have it our way. And so in this scripture, it makes it very clear, God speaking to Cain, if you do well or do what's right, things are gonna go well for you. But when you don't, here's what you need to know. Sin is always crouching at your door and it has a desire to rule and take authority over your life but you should be the one to rule over it in, in a proper way. And so when you eat from the tree of life instead of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you get life-giving power to rule over sin. But when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are actually empowered to live in sin. All right? I'm gonna break that down more for you. And so what I want you to know and understand is that as soon as God did not accept Cain's sacrifice, he was angry and his countenance was downcast. Why? Because he didn't get his way. He didn't get what he wanted. And here's the thing. Anytime we live for self or have an unhealthy self-love that's all about us, God doesn't accept our sacrifice. And when God doesn't accept our sacrifice, it always leads to a downcast lifestyle. And I don't want any of you to live in this. Listen, look, I love you. I don't have anything personal in this message, zero, except to help you and to set us all free. And when I share some, some statistics with you, today, right now, real statistics, which we don't ever talk about, only 7% of churches in America have any sort of recovery program for pornography. And what's happening with our phones, what's happening with the websites that are out there and the privatization of pornography and the, the monetization of pornography, it's insane. And the ease of access with our phones, is it's nuts. And if I don't talk about it, sometime, somewhere, today just happens to be the day, whether y'all like it or not. But at some point, it has to be discussed. 
Because you have to understand, like, I don't know, one in five Christians, one in seven pastors, one in five youth pastors, $3,100 a minute is spent on pornography, 28,000 views a minute. How can we not address it? And we can't not address it because we're afraid to talk about it. And the challenge is, is it's out there everywhere. It's everywhere. Netflix, full frontals, Instagram, Facebook reels. If I just, so I had to stop looking at Facebook reels because I don't want people to think I'm checking their bodies out. But even a simple post of your body, yeah, because Instagram or a Facebook reels shows who saw them. If you, in case you didn't know. So if you like scrolling through Facebook reels, those people know that you were looking at their Facebook reel. And some people, I'm okay with that. So I have to be very careful, but they auto uh, feed. So if you just scroll through them, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you look at them all at a glance, about one in every four shows some sort of either skin or some sort of illicit behavior. Now, the challenge is, is, it's easy to say, well, you're being so heavenly good, you're not earthly minded, or you're being too religious. Let me explain something to you. I love you all. You have a pastor that lived the most craziest, demonic, sexualized life before I came to the Lord. The number of girls that I slept with, I, I don't even want to tell you not because I'm ashamed of it, but because it's pointless. Let's just say it was a lot. I was a very unhealthy barfly. And so my past dictates and warrants that I'm extra aggressive now, but also because of what I know to be true. The facts don't lie. Facts don't care about your feelings. It is what it is. And we must address it. We have to talk about it because we have to help one another to get out of it. And I don't want my teenage girls, I, don't, I got two daughters. I don't want my young adults, I don't want them getting caught up in what's happening online and social media. Do you know, this happened yesterday. For the first time ever, a judge ruled the suicidal the death of a 14-year-old was caused by social media. Did you see that in the news? Bullying, comparison. I mean, the suicide statistics are insane. I'm not even gonna talk about that today, but it's like one in every three or four seconds somebody's killing themselves. And social media is pushing it, right? And so I'm not, I'm on social media. I'm not anti, in a sense, social media, even though it's big tech liberal and it hates your Christian values, you just need to know that. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to be very cunning and wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove in how you use it. It's the purpose behind it. And so I love you and I care about you and I care about your children there's some, we're dedicating five kids, to the, five babies to the Lord next service. We have 11 pregnant mothers right now. I got three kids under 10. We run 100 kids on a, on a Sunday on average. This is a family affair that requires 
a family attack against this. All right? Okay. So improper living always leads to improper giving. Improper living always leads to improper giving. Let's go back to the sacrifice. For whatever reason, Cain did not give his best to the Lord. Now, once God rejected the sacrifice, what did Cain do? He killed his brother. And whenever we live a life of fear, shame, and control and rejection, whenever we feel distant from God, when, or whenever God is distant, the, the natural tendency is to live a life of selfish gain that kills our brother. Sin always devours both ways. It always devours both ways. And that's why for me as a pastor, I have to make sure my intentions are always pure with you. I'm not out to get your money. I'm not out to get another butt in the seat. I'm not out to just grow a big church. I'm out to raise a family and an army that's gonna advance the kingdom on earth and set captives free. People are hurting and broken. You know, I follow a website that I absolutely love that I wanna highly recommend to all of you. It's called Fight the New Drug. Every one of you should be watching, listening to their pot. Now, I will tell you, there can be some trigger warnings and they will tell you there's trigger warnings. But I have learned more from that website, especially in the context of grooming and grooming children for sex trafficking. The number one way that grooming takes place is to put pornography in front of them. That's what happened with Elizabeth Smart. If you haven't heard the interview with Elizabeth Smart, I highly recommend you watch it because it really shows the process of grooming children for sex trafficking or pornography or things of the nature of that nature. And so whenever we're not living our lives properly, we're never going to give properly. That's, and what does that mean? That's not just your money. Let's get past the money thing. But it is your money, but it's not just that. It's your love and service towards other people. It's God first, then your marriage and children, then the community around you. Those are my priorities in life. So first, I have to be healthy with the Lord. I have to have a healthy marriage. I have to have healthy children. And then I do all I can to create a healthy community around me. That's in my businesses. That's with my employees. That's with my managers. That's with my leaders here. My number one burning passion is to set other people up for success. And why? Because I have a healthy, genuine love for God that produces a healthy, genuine love for you. Now, when we talk about killing self-love, let's make sure we all understand that I'm not talking about self-hatred and self-loathing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about loving your life versus loving the life that God has for you. God has the best life for you. God has the best future for you. He loves you. He cares for you. Take it from a guy that's been in prison on the streets, done more drugs, slept with more people, bombed it, blew it more times than I can tell you. And today, look at my life. Just let my life be an example. It's all the Lord. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I love you enough. God put me in this position because of his kindness and his mercy and his grace, period. And so God says we're to always live our lives sacrificially before him and if we do, our sacrifice would be accepted. Here's what an acceptable sacrifice looks like, Romans 12.1. This is an acceptable sacrifice, and it deals directly with our flesh and our body, which I find extremely interesting. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, which we can only do it by the mercy of God. Let me make sure you all know God's merciful. If you bombed it, blew it, I don't care how many people you slept with, slept with, and I don't even care if you put yourself out there online. God can redeem it and cover it and heal you, and you're safe. There's no shame. There's no shame. That's why I tell on myself all the, all the time. People that have abortions or maybe have done pornography or put themselves out online should be able to come here and find safety and healing and encouragement, not shame and being pushed away. This is my heart. You guys have to know my heart. I'm not an old school religious weird pastor. I've been there. I've done it. I understand. I have sympathy and I have compassion. I've had more encounters with stripper girls getting saved. God has brought former stripper girls here. There's several here now. This is a place where girls that have been in human trafficking have been raped as a child. They should be able to come and find love and care and compassion and healing in this house. But the last thing that should happen is they walk in this house and we're the ones that are um, buying into the product. We're the consumers. That's, that's the problem. The problem is, is if we become the consumers. Remember the two stripper girls? I told you a story. They were traveling the country, dancing club to club to club. They met a guy that I knew from the pool hall when I was shooting pool. And he, he knew my testimony, but somehow he thought my testimony translated to today, which back then I'm meaning, as if I'm still get high, still have all my drug connections. He brings the stripper girls to my house. You guys remember this story? Some of you may not know it. And I'll just tell you real fast. The gist of it is, I want, they, they come to my apartment. I wind up witnessing to one of the girls because she thought that I was high because my pupils were dilated. And because I'm talking about Jesus a thousand miles, I'm so excited to tell her about the Lord. She's like, are you high? I'm like, I'm high on the most high. <laughs> yes, I am. Let me tell you about it. So I invite her to church the next day and she comes up in a short, short, short miniskirt answers an altar call. Tommy Tenney was preaching that day in, in the church in Tulsa. She gives her life to the Lord and just tells me after service, I'm giving up my lifestyle. And she went back home only to find out she was pregnant at the time and wound up living for Jesus the rest of her life. Now, what happens when, the, when those girls walk in here in mini skirts and short tops and they come in here to give their life to the Lord? We need to love them. But the problem is, is you as the Christian shouldn't be the one in the mini skirts and the short tops. Because we have to be the standard that sets the standard. I need you to understand, we're calling them out of it. We're, and it doesn't mean we need to wear long skirts with our hair in a bun either. That's not what I'm saying. Get out of the extremity thing. But the point is, is we're different. We are not of the world. Do you understand? Are you guys okay? All right. Are you hearing my heart? Now, maybe God set this up today because... I didn't plan this. I wasn't even planning to preach today. So it's very possible you've been set up. Now, let me just say, I already know the porn stats, and I'm going to show some of you today. So chances are likely a lot of people in this room are struggling with pornography. Let go of the shame and the guilt right now. Nobody's beating you up, okay? I have been there in my past, and I want to help you come out of it today. I'm for you, I'm not against you, and this culture's for you. What we wanna do is have a culture of health, healing, and transparency. Galatians 5.16 says, I'm sorry, James 5.16 says, if we confess our sins to one another or confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so the, the premise of that scripture is there's healing in the light. 
and there's death in the night. And what we wanna do is bring health and healing to you, which means we're gonna have to do some things here that creates a culture and environment where people feel safe. Because if you don't feel safe, the last thing you're gonna do is step into the light. And what I wanna also say to that is if you came from weird religious, dysfunctional, holy roller churches and you'd be beat up for sharing your stuff and condemned, this is not that. This is not that. I'm, I will be the first, if I'm telling on myself, and remember, if you tell on yourself, the devil has nothing to say. So notice the scripture in Romans 12, it says, here's an acceptable to God sacrifice. Always be presenting your what? Body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which I like to say it this way, this is the least that I can do. It's the least that you can do. So the sacrificial driven life always leads to the same result Cain got. I'm sorry. The non-sacrificial driven life always leads to the same result Cain got, anger and a downcast countenance. But it also creates entitlement towards God as if God should accept it, as if God should be okay with what I'm bringing. In turn, we don't give him our best, but rather we give token offerings. The killing of self-love is not self-hatred or self-loathing. It's killing the imbalance that makes everything about us which always leads to the works of the flesh. It's the mindset of the world system that tells us we must love ourselves to find ourselves. But the kingdom of God's different. So, so self-hatred and self-loathing is also another form of the demonic. It leads to cutting. Okay, let me tell you something about cutting. Cutting's just one form of inflicting pain on yourself to relieve the pain of somewhere else. But you may not be cutting, you may be fill in the blank. But I'll just talk about cutting for a moment. That's self-loathing. That's hating yourself so much that you would hurt yourself to feel less pain or to inflict pain upon yourself. That's very deceptive because that's an antichrist spirit. Jesus already got cut for you. Jesus was cut but he didn't cut himself, but he allowed himself to be there and be cut for you. He took the nails. He took the shame. He took the pain. Now, if you look to the cross, it'll, the cross can take that pain and that shame away from you, what Jesus did on the cross. His sacrifice, his blood, his love, his care for you. But self-hatred and self-loathing is such a deceptive lie. God loves you, and he wants you to have a healthy, proper love of yourself, but the world system takes self-love and care to the next level. In the kingdom, there's a balance. Like, for example, I go to the gym a solid three to four days a week pretty consistently. You know why I'm going to the gym right now? Not because I want to look hot. That's how I did it in my 20s or even my teens, really. (laughs) My wife thinks I'm hot. That's all that matters to me. It's really because I understand that I have, I learned that there's a biblical mandate to take care of my temple. So I don't, it's not about being a meathead and bigger muscles and buffer and hotter. And it's not a, it's not in that sphere anymore. Like it used to be. It's not a competition with myself or others. It's not vanity. It's, it's being healthy 
so that I can live long. I have three kids under 10 and I'm 52 years old. Mark my words, folks. You've heard me say it before. I'm gonna say it again. You know what I'm about to say. You can't stop the sag. You can't stop the sag. You cannot, you will not win over gravity. I'm telling you what. Now you can prolong it with some cosmetic surgeries, but it'll, but still in time, you can't stop the sag. It's gonna get every part of your body. But you can take care of yourself and you can be healthy for the right reasons. Look, some, some people took self-hatred so far that they needed to find value in how God sees them. There's a healthy view of self-love, but most self-love leads, leads to selfishness and a self-life and self-preservation and selfish ambition. Are you following me? To where it becomes all about me. So the kingdom of God's opposite. Here's what the kingdom says. Deny yourself. Esteem others first before yourself or better than yourself. Lay your life down. Hate your life to find it. But notice when Jesus says you must hate your life, he who hates his life will find it, but he who, no, he who loves his life, yeah, yeah, he who hates it will find it, but he who loves it will lose it. It doesn't say he who hates himself. So I, I never want you to hate yourself. If you're not confident in how God sees you and how God views you, you're, so the world says, love yourself to find yourself. The kingdom says, love God and find him to know you. Find who God is and you'll find yourself. I never knew who I was until I found him. But without him, I was an orphan. I live like an orphan. You know what orphans do? It's always all about protecting and preserving themselves and feeding themselves and protecting themselves. You're not an orphan anymore. And the only thing that changed me was the understanding of coming out of this orphan mindset is that I'm a son. And this is how I have to teach. What I'm teaching you is how I'm gonna have to teach it to my children and do everything I can to protect their little eyes from ever seeing what so many of us have seen or been a part of, Right? And so hating my life is this. It's the life I live to please me, not hating myself. It's the very essence of an unhealthy self-love that makes it all about me and the resulting consequences that come from not being a proper living sacrifice. I'm a selfish sacrifice instead of a living sacrifice. You've got to see the difference between these two. Is this about selfish living and a zeal for yourself, or is it about God living in a zeal for him? Living a self-focused life always lives contrary to the Christ-focused life. It's always rooted in pride, it's always rooted in comparison, and it's always rooted in competition. We compete, watch this, is what the Lord showed me. Some of us are competing not against someone else, but against your own self, and you're competing against your past. I don't have to kick, compete against my past. It's dead. Think about it. Here, let me give you a good example of competing against your past. I was so poor when I was a child that I never want to be like that. So I'm going to be so successful. Or maybe we compete against our parents. Here's how we compete against our parents. I will never be like them right? And then we make a vow and a judgment. Don't make that vow and judgment. If you, if you say that, don't say it anymore. 
Because when you say, I'll never be like them, what that does is it, it makes them your measuring tool. So what you want to say instead is, I'll, I want to be like Jesus and the heavenly father, because he's my standard. Forgive them for they knew not what they did. It doesn't make it okay. It just reveals the deception that they were in. But it takes us out of the blame. You got to stop blaming. Yes, they were wrong. Yes, it was their fault. Yes, it was indirect from them. But you know what? They were deceived. Jesus died for them too. It doesn't make what they did right. It just means you can forgive them. Man, I'm preaching good today. Woo, sheesh. I know this is a heavy topic. You guys smile big, slap yourself left and right, whatever you got to do. So this, comp- this competition thing, and you guys hang in there. I'm only going to go about 10 to 13 more minutes. Pray for me. So we compete against our past, our parents. How about our friends? We compete against the world's system ideas of success. This is what the problem with social media is, is that now people's success is not defined on how much money you have or how nice you dress. It's defined by how many followers you have or your online success. And so the rules are changing in the world, but the, the rules of the world's drive is different than God's design, okay? So killing self-love is the understanding that instead of loving others as ourselves properly, we love others less than ourselves more. I'm gonna say that again. Killing self-love is this understanding that instead of loving others as ourselves properly, which God calls us to do, we love others less and ourselves more. One of the best identifiers that is in your sacrifice. And I love you all so much. I'm, look, come to church as little as you want. I'm glad you're here. Those watching online, you, it, you get to decide together with the Lord what it is that you choose. In fact, really, it should be all the Lord deciding, but you work together with him. I'm just going to tell you guys something. For 20-something years, I didn't miss a conference. I went to the men's meetings. I was a prayer partner. I was young. I was single. I made a ton of money, I made, but I also made sacrifices at every turn. If the church doors were open, I was there. Why? Not because anybody told me. I got hurt by pastors. I got called Absalom spirit at times, Jezebel spirit at times. I've had all kinds of weird stuff happen to me. I've seen weird stuff. I've seen people get hurt, but my sacrifice was to the Lord. And I also had Red Tail of Three Kings early on, and I understood whether it was a Saul or a David. It wasn't my place to determine. It was my place to submit because God would teach me in it. So if the door was open, I was there. I didn't miss a men's conference. I didn't miss a men's meeting. And the men's minister wasn't very good and the men's meetings were lame, but I wasn't there because of that. Church was hard. The, the topics could be tough, but I'm going to explain something to you. My life became a life lived for zeal for God and zeal for his house. When Jesus stepped in and flipped over the money changing tables, then the disciples understood zeal for my house has consumed me. Man, I felt the Lord on that. Did you guys feel that? This is zeal. And the challenge is if there's not an all in zeal for him and his house and his people, and the spiritual gifts, the Bible says, then what happens is that there's, there's another zeal that takes over. And it's a zeal that, yes, it's for all these other things, but that's not the root. I can assure you pornography is not a root issue. 
It's a, it's a symptom of a deeper rooted issue. And I'm sure I won't even get to all my stats today, but I'm gonna try to hurry up. Killing self-love is this understanding that we go the extra mile. Killing self-love is, wait, what do you need? You need 10, here's 100. Killing self-love always outgives. It always outdoes. It always seeks to go further. It always sacrifices more. Because I already know that my natural desire of myself is to stay home. It's to make more money. It's to work harder. It's just vacation with my kids and watch football. But I'm consumed by zeal now. And if I don't kill this thing inside of me and you don't mortify the deeds of the flesh inside of you, then the life of Christ that God wants to have gets restricted. So we exchange God's design of self-sacrifice into the world's design of self-care and love. That doesn't mean you shouldn't care for yourself and have a proper godly love for yourself. That could be a whole message in and of itself. But many people don't know what that properly looks like in balance. It's imbalanced. Because the war and the conflict is within you. The war and the conflict is within you. And this war and conflict can only be won in a few ways. But first, we're going to talk about walking in the Spirit at all times. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. I'm going to read this to you quickly. Let's look to the screen. As you yield, let's everybody say, I'm going to yield. Okay, New King James says, walk. So to walk is to yield. If I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm yielded at all times. I'm yielded at all times, Okay. As you yield and fully, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self life. Verse 17. For your self life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. None of us want to hinder the Lord from having freedom within us. But this self-life, literally, if I give into it, will hinder the life of Christ in me. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you, whoa, are your, thank you, I, I am getting older, I appreciate that. Wow. You think I need big letter print now or what? Man. I am not getting a giant print Bible. No. The answer is no. But you like that? So look, this is what I want you to see. One wants to dominate you. Look, I've been dominated by my self-life. I don't want to anymore because I've learned the hard way. I don't want you to anymore. I don't want you to anymore. We don't need to be dominated. It wants to dominate you. There's a war within. Everybody say, there's a war within. Everybody say, two forces that are in conflict. So they're within you and your self-life of the flesh or the new creation life of the spirit. Next verse. 
But when you're brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you'll no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. Now, there's a whole thing of, this, of what the law does and why it uses the word law here. Without the law, you wouldn't even know that there was sin. And then the problem is once the, once, sin reve- once the law revealed sin, then you knew about it and then it overtook you. But so God would literally crush the law of sin and death by bringing in the law of the freedom and grace and of the spirit. So if you learn to walk in the spirit and live in the spirit, you're no longer under the law and what the law brings. See, the law brings condemnation. What everyone should hear from me anytime I talk is no condemnation. Please. If you're feeling condemned, that's within you because it's not coming from me. I don't want anybody to feel condemned. We've all bombed it, blew it, but now we got to come out of it. All right? So there's two incompatible forces within you at all times, and both of them are talking. These are voices talking to you. Both want to lead you. Both want to have dominion over you but there's one that you need to let have dominion. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Both want to take over your life. It's the self-life of the flesh versus the new creation life of the spirit and the fruit that he brings with him, which is the fruit of the spirit. We're gonna talk about this next week. The only way to overcome it is to walk in and be led by the Holy Spirit that's that is done by yielding at all times. Yielding is obeying. Yielding is obeying. The self-life and improper self-love always leads to selfish living. Biblically, that's called the works of the flesh. But I like to call it the fruit of darkness. Galatians 5, 19. This is called the works of the flesh. It comes from an improper self-love or self-life. I'm gonna call it the fruit of darkness. I almost titled this message, The Fruit of Darkness. The cravings of the self-life are, I like this word obvious. It's like, this is so obvious. What's number one? So I'm not gonna go, I don't have time to go through all the, the, the stats with you today. I hopefully will tonight because they're really, I highly recommend you just, just look up in Covenant Eyes. Go to covenanteyes.com. It has the most recent t- statistics of modern day. Everything about virtual reality, everything about how much money's being spent, billions and billions and millions of dollars. I've already given you some. The average person first sees pornography at the age of 12. And if the world has its way, it'll have your kids seeing it by seven or eight, which means I have to be extra aggressive. I, I know everything my kids watch. I, I'm in full control of the TV. I'm in full control of their time. I'm in full control of their iPads. And I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're kids have cell phones and you don't have safety mechanism measurements on them where you're able to see everything they look they look at I wouldn't even allow them to have access to internet or only certain websites that you know of and approve of and look I was a master con artist as a kid just because you shut down one thing I found 10 other ways to get around it you must be your kids parents you must be okay but, you, but we also have to make sure we're not being the ones that are secretly sneaking around, being the uh, ones that are in demand. I just want to show you a few of these, these men, all these. Amber's going to really talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which get, leaves me to get to talk about the fruit of darkness. 
or the fruit of the flesh. So sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God. Here's the list. And what I would do is I would ask yourself, do I fit in this category? And some of it can be extremely subtle. And if you do, then what needs to happen is, is we need to kill it. And I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to give you some couple quick answers before you go today. So chasing after things instead of God, I would put in your careers, your money, and chasing after wealth and success and materialism. Manipulating others. That's all, look, self and improper self-love leads to selfish ambition, which always leads to manipulating others. I was an incredible salesman. I was the best at selling cocaine, pot, and acid. Then I was really good at selling prime rib at steak and ale. I was the national sales, I was the number one national sales guy at steak and ale. Then I went to a pharmaceutical insurance company where I sold uh, prescription drug cards. I said, man, I got this. I have experience. I was the number one national sales guy for the pharmaceutical insurance company. And it, uh, here's what I'm gonna say to you. Even in all of that, I used manipulation tactics to get people to buy my products, even though I knew the Lord in, the, in some of those times. Manipulating others is so subtle. Here's some more. Hatred of those who get in your way. Sounds like everywhere in the world around us. Senseless arguments. I hate Facebook arguments. Especially between people in this church and Christians. Hate them. Hate it. It's such a black eye on the kingdom of God. Angry quarrels, temper tantrums, resentment when other people are favored. Only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use this freedom, use, this, use their freedom for those things will not inherit the kingdom of God? Christians have a newfound freedom. We have a freedom that we've never had before. Why would we use that freedom and go back to it, which brings death? So I just wrote these down real quick, and then I'm going to close. How do you kill improper self-love? How? Well, learn to hear his voice. I can do a whole nother series on hearing God's voice. If you're not hearing God's voice, we got to start there because you're not being guided Remember, the Holy Spirit leads you, demons drive you. I'm gonna say it again. The Holy Spirit leads you, but demons drive you with uncontrollable passions and lusts. But the Holy Spirit, in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. Actually, a better way to say it is, lead me away every time. Because temptation can come. And temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It's the giving into it. But you need another voice that you're yielded to. So you must walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit at all times. And that takes practice. That takes time. That takes surrender. That takes breaking off from the world system. Your fastest, everybody has complete access to the world system. If you are not guarded and careful about how much time you spend, look, you know, one of the things that bothers me the most is, is how much time it can suck up if I'm not careful. I, some time ago, I got into looking at, at uh, Facebook reels 
And some of them are hilarious. Some of the stuff I'm like, where do these people even get this stuff? How did they even know that? And there's some things I even learned from it. All kinds of stuff. Before I know it, I started at like maybe 10. Before I knew it, it was 1130. It's like, oh my God, this thing consumed, this thing just robbed me. And then when I'm done, I don't care how good or how much I learned or how much I liked, I felt so robbed. Am I the only one? All right, well, okay. So, so here's your, you, if you're gonna write these down, because I gotta give you this real quick. Learn to hear his voice by sitting at his feet. Time in his word, worship. And we'll have a worship series coming. Yielding to his leading. Zeal for the one more than zeal for the other. So I have more zeal for him than I do for the things of this world. Zeal for self versus or zeal for the Lord. So think about zeal. Are you have more zeal for you or more zeal for him? The two can't cohabitate. It's zeal to know him, zeal for the cross, zeal for his house that consumes you, zeal for his peoples. And actually, if you look up the Greek word zealous, it means to be on fire. The word zealous means flamed on. The word zealous means like roiling, boiling water. I'm more passionate to know more about God's word than coffee, but I'll make way more money selling coffee because I'm not selling God's word. I'm not peddling it for profit. We, some of you know more about your careers and your jobs than you do God's word. Now, don't, don't take that as a shaming thing. Take that as a challenge. I double dog dare you. Pony up your Bible reading time. You got more tools available to you today than you've ever had before. And then I'm gonna close with this. Proper love coupled with proper zeal, coupled with yielding is the fastest way to kill the self-life and unhealthy self-love. Colossians 3, 5, and 7, and then we're gonna pray. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, this word put to death is the Greek word mortify. Think of mortar between bricks. When it hardens, it's solid, it's dead, it's immovable. Kill, 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 kill. You couldn't even enter into the, to the outer court without first going through the brazen altar. The first step was burn the flesh. Today, the brazen altar is the cross, okay? Put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, right off the top. Uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God's coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves used to. Used to. Once lived. You guys get my point? Because a real tragedy would be we go to church week in and week out and profess to know the Lord, but stay the same. Come on, y'all. I've given you some tools. You're gonna get more. And each week that we meet, we give you all the best tools that we have, but you gotta go take them home and apply them, okay? Mortify. If your right hand causes you to sin, some of y'all may need to get a flip phone.
I mean, I'm just telling you right now, it's like, whatever it takes. Let's all say that. Whatever it takes. All right, let's stand. <clears throat> so let's, here's what I want to do. I wish I had more time, but would you close your eyes with me for a moment? What I want to do is break off shame and I want to break off the feelings of inadequacy. I want to break off self-hatred, self-loathing, but I also want to kill self-love, improper self-love. So I can just pray that over you. But you've got to take the action. And you can do it. you got a family. We'll be your biggest cheerleaders here. We'll be your biggest cheerleaders here. We're your big, we are for you, not against you. And uh, I just want to encourage you to forgive yourself. Some people, they, they, because they can't live with themselves, but you can live with yourself when Christ is living in you. So I would surrender all to Jesus. I, my best advice for you is to surrender to him today. You can only make it by the mercies of God. You can only present yourself by the mercies of God. I would cry out for mercy. Have mercy, God. Have mercy on this house, Lord. Have mercy on us, God. Have mercy. Please, Lord, have mercy. Cry out for mercy, God. Cry out for mercy. By the mercies of God, we present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive this family. Forgive the body of Christ. Have mercy even on the world that's gone astray. Thank you for your son, that you so loved the world you gave your son, and we will give ourselves to set the captives free. Help us to have a proper love of self, not an unhealthy love. A love that understands we were created in the image and likeness of God. That you love us so much. I pray forgiveness over you. If you bombed it, blew it. If you've been bombing it and blowing it. If you've got shame from your past, break that off. God forgives you. Cry out for mercy and forgiveness and let it be washed in the blood. Wash us in your blood, God. Have mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord. And I release you all with perfect peace, rest. Fathers having the ability to have healthy conversations with their children. Protect our children, Lord. Protect our children. They're going to take this over one day. Raise up a new generation of lovesick warriors and worshipers that will never sell themselves out to the world, God, like we did. I love you, Lord. I love you. Please, God, let your word germinate in the hearts of everyone that's listened today and help us all God help us all Lord not to just barely make it but to crush it to crush it with your love your beauty your wonder and the ability to walk in the spirit and mortify the flesh Holy Spirit we let you win the war within crucify that self life 
thing in us. And I thank you so much, Lord, for today. We love you, Jesus. Amen.